Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you have given him a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, help us where we are right now in life, whatever baggage, whatever heartache, whatever ups and downs we brought into this room with us, help us to find hope in the resurrected Savior. Be glorified in our time together. Remind us of what it means that he not only was crucified and buried, but that he was raised from the dead and is alive today and coming again for us anytime now. We love you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. This has been a tough year, hasn't it? There have been a lot of things that were missed, graduations, there have been lockdowns, there's been strife, there's arguments politically, all kinds of things that have gone on in the last year. Oh, one of the things that almost didn't happen this Easter, uh, you know those yellow peeps from the Just Born Confection Company and Candy Company? Those yellow peeps? They actually suspended everything about them for nine months, and they weren't sure they were going to be ready for Easter, but then they are. And some of you are very glad for that. I think people either really like those things or really hate those things, right? Maybe you're not a big fan. They announced uh, three new flavors this year that they've come out with. One is sour watermelon. That kind of makes my lips want to just pucker up right there. And then there's hot tamale peeps now, if you like things spicy. Then the third thing they announced was in conjunction with the Jolly Green Giant Corporation, they announced cauliflower peeps. Oh yeah, that just really excites you, doesn't it? They announced that on Thursday, then on Friday they announced that that was an April Fool's joke. So if you had your heart set on cauliflower, it doesn't exist in terms of peeps. Now, that we almost missed out on the peeps and it pales in comparison to what some of us have gone through, what we've experienced in this last year. And I think about what those disciples experienced as they saw the stone rolled in front of the tomb. They knew the lifeless body of Jesus was there. They'd given three years to follow Jesus. They had big hopes. But now on that Saturday, as they wake up, there's disillusionment and disappointment, unmet expectations. There's some guilt. One of them betrayed him and, and one of them uh, denied him. They're scattered. They're frustrated. They're, they're struggling with doubt and uncertainty. There's fear that's paralyzing them. They're isolated, even scattered from one another. That Saturday was, was tough emotionally. Someone has said that we live in a Saturday world like that Saturday for them. We live in a Saturday world, but that we serve the Sunday God, the God of the resurrection. I think there's truth in that. We live in a world full of brokenness and pain and sorrow since sin entered into humanity, and that's a part of what we experience. And we know that. Some of you have experienced a lot of stuff in the last few weeks or months or even the last year or so, maybe stuff that's just dragged on for a long time. There was something the disciples missed that I hope we will see clearly together today. They missed that Sunday was coming, and Sunday was their hope. And so today I want to talk to you about Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming, and the hope we have in Jesus Christ, our resurrected Savior. If you want to go to your Bibles, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. You can follow along in your hard copy of the Bible, or if you have a digital device, Luke, chapter 24, 
The, we're going to pick up in verse 13. Pastor Brian read a few moments ago where the women go to the tomb to, to finalize the preparation of the body for burial. And they find the tomb empty. The angel says, he's not here. He's risen. They run back. And the, a couple of disciples, uh, John and Peter, run to the tomb, but they don't find the body of Jesus. And then we read about a couple of followers that are really in the, in the inner circle. They're not in the 12, but they're in the inner circle of Jesus' followers. And we pick up in verse 13. Now that same day, this is the day of the resurrection, two of them, two of his followers, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened there in these days? You see, they're leaving on Sunday morning. It's the conclusion of Passover week. And the crowds who've been there are leaving Jerusalem. Remember in the Jewish calendar, Sunday was the first day of the week. They're getting back to work, getting back to everyday life after this wonderful Jewish holiday of Passover that reminded them of God's redemption of Israel long ago. And there are throngs of people leaving Jerusalem. And Jesus appears to these two as they're having this conversation and they don't understand that it's Jesus and probing to know what's going on in their hearts, he asked them what they were talking about. In verse 19, he says, what things, what things? And they go on to give him an answer where they talk about Jesus of Nazareth was sent by God. And we had hoped, they say in verse 21, that he would be the redeemer of Israel. We had hoped and then they explained that even that morning, uh, some of the women who were part of the followers had, had found the, uh, the tomb empty, and the angels made that announcement that he was alive, and they retell what had happened in the first part of this, and, and they say, and then some of our companions ran there, but they did not see Jesus. Now, that's when these folks decide, ah, we're just going to move on. Jesus then rebukes them in verse 25 and calls them foolish for not believing what the Old Testament had said about the Messiah and not believing that he would be raised. And then it says that he opens the scriptures to them and he explains to them from Moses and the prophets and throughout the Old Testament who the Messiah, the king, was to be, the savior of the world. And he explains that. And then we read in verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So we, he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how they recognized Jesus when he broke the bread. What an incredible story. These are guys that are on Sunday 
on Sunday are still having that Saturday experience because they don't know the hope of the resurrection. So they're still struggling with their emotions. Today I want to talk about this very truth, that because of the resurrection, Saturday's life-crushing despair becomes Sunday's life-giving hope. Some of you maybe come in here today with some despair, some sadness, something heavy on your heart. Maybe it's just what, what, what we've gone through in our community, our state, in our nation, in our world. And you've come in with that heavy heart. You see, Saturday, the Saturday things they were dealing with was a lot. It, it was void of any hope. It was hopeless. But because of the resurrection, hope arrived. Now I want to talk about Sunday's coming kind of on three layers. The first layer would be back then. There was a day, a Saturday, between his crucifixion and his resurrection where all hope was lost. They were adrift, his disciples. Then you've got the here and now, right? Back then and then here now. What do we mean when we talk about Sunday's coming? After all, this is Sunday already. It's Resurrection Sunday. What are we talking about? I'm talking about how we live in this moment of already. He's already conquered the grave and hell and sin and the curse for us in his resurrection. But we have not yet experienced the fullness of that. He walks with us now. And right now, because he lives, we can actually face tomorrow. It's what gets us from one day to the next. That's the here and now, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But the third layer is that one day, there was the back then Sunday's coming, there's the here and now Sunday's coming, but one day, the Apostle Paul said, we're to be looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It could be today, because when Jesus was raised from the dead, 40 days later, he ascended to the Father, he is in heaven there now. And one day he's coming for those who know him. And as he gathers us together, then he's going to judge the living and the dead. He's going to establish a new heavens and a new earth. And Revelation 21.4 says this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Are you looking forward to that day? I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. And that day can only happen because he conquered the grave for you and for me. But uh, what does that mean to us in the here and now? Well, let's look at these two who are leaving Jerusalem despondent and discouraged, isolated to themselves and walking home. Now, if you go anywhere from Jerusalem, you go down. So they're walking seven miles down uh, northwest uh, toward Emmaus. And all those folks are going to, and Jesus appears to them. And he gives them an opportunity to process their disappointment and their hopelessness. And then he allows them to latch on to the hope that he brings because of his resurrection. There are five things I want us to see that happen to be associated with that Saturday kind of world. The kind of the sadness, the heavy heart the discouragement when hope is lost. But I want to look at each of these five things and how they become Sunday's hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first one is this. Saturday's disappointment becomes Sunday's joy. The disciples on that Saturday were disappointed. They had unmet expectations. They, they, were, they were crushed. 
these two walking along the road when they're trying to explain to Jesus, because they didn't recognize him, trying to explain who Jesus was and what he meant to them, and they said, we had hoped. They were disappointed. Has something or someone disappointed you in the last year? Did you, in your own heart, say, I had hoped that... That counseling would help us through that marriage crisis. I had hoped the doctor would give us better news. I had hoped those bills that are uh, piling up, that somehow they'd be resolved by now. We had hoped that our children would be doing this. We had hoped our grandparents would be this way or that way. We had hoped the job or the project, maybe there was disappointment that set into your heart, unmet expectations. Maybe it was someone very close to you, didn't live up to your expectations. Maybe it was your own expectations of yourself. Maybe it was me or Calvary in some way. We disappointed you and didn't live up to your expectations in this last year. We can get stuck in the Saturday world of disappointment or we can fix our eyes on Jesus as the writer of the Hebrews says. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, faith because he is the one who brings us hope. You know, these, these individuals say, we had hoped, and there's, they're downcast, verse 17 says, but then at the end, after he reveals himself, and I believe that Jesus reveals himself when he's breaking the bread because they see the nail prints in his hand, and all of a sudden, their eyes are opened. They run back, and they agree with the disciples. It's true. He is risen. There is joy in the fact and knowing no matter what we're going through, he is risen. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Our joy is not to be rooted in the up and ups and downs of life's circumstances. Our joy is to be rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The 19th, early 20th century evangelist Billy Sunday said, if you have no joy, there is a leak in your Christianity somewhere. Maybe you've come in here heavy-hearted. Latch on to the joy that is yours in Jesus. Secondly, secondly, confusion of Saturday becomes clarity on Sunday. There was uncertainty and doubt that settled in. Was this all just a joke? Was he really not who he said he was? How could they kill him? How could he be in the grave? On, on that Saturday, there's confusion and uncertainty, and maybe you're in the midst of confusion and uncertainty in your career, in your family, or there's confusion and uncertainty setting in in terms of your health or someone you care about. In this Saturday world, we deal with those things. But then there's clarity. They didn't see Jesus. They said they went looking. Some friends of ours went when the women came, and, but they didn't see Jesus. And then in that confusion, these two wander away where Jesus was at work and where things were happening, and they wander away. But then in verse 31, when they see the nail prints, their eyes were opened. And they say in verses 34 and 35, with the disciples and other followers in that upper room, they say, it's true. It's true, the Lord is risen. That's clarity. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus Christ and your life seems so foggy. It just seems like you can't understand what's next or why these things are happening to you or why you've gone through the experiences you've gone through in the last year or the last decade. Or you find yourself in uncertainty and doubt and confusion. Lift up your eyes from your circumstances and fix your eyes on your resurrected Savior. In him there is hope. 
In him there can be clarity. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's true. He's alive. Can I encourage you, if, if maybe it's been a struggle for you to have clarity, maybe you just take the words, it is true, or you take the words, Sunday's coming, and put them on a post-it and put them on your dashboard or put it on your refrigerator or maybe make a, a, a reminder in your phone that pops up every day at the same time and says, it's true, he's risen, or it says, Sunday's coming. Get your eyes on Jesus this week. Get your eyes on Jesus. Maybe you're here and, and you know, you've, you've heard the good news of how Jesus died for you, was buried, and was raised for you, uh, but you've, it's really just never been something that, that's captured your heart, and, and you've, you've listened to me, maybe you've listened to a Christian friend, maybe they've invited you here, a relative brought you here today, and you say, this stuff has just not made sense to me in the past. You know, the scriptures say that we're all born sinners, and we're all born with a spiritual blindness. We're in the dark. As a matter of fact, it says the God of this world, Satan himself, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious good news of Jesus Christ should shine into their hearts. I had a guy come out after last night's service, and he said, I remember the day the light started to shine in my heart. Five years ago, I accepted Jesus, and he said, everything's been different ever since. I'm out of the dark. If you haven't come to Jesus, you're in the dark and you have blinders on, but maybe God has been whispering it to you through the music, through the scripture reading, through something a Christian friend said to you already today. Maybe God is speaking to you and there's clarity and the light is, is breaking through and today's the day that God is inviting you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. The one who died was buried and was raised for you. He died so that you could be forgiven of your sins and made right with God. He was raised so you could have new life in him and live with him forever and walk with him through the Saturday experiences of this broken world. Right where you are, just, just if, if you say, wow, God is speaking to me in this moment. Right where you are, just say, God, I, I really get it. I don't understand it all, but I get it that, that I need a savior. I put my faith in Jesus who loved me and died for me. Forgive me, God. Give me new life in Christ, and he'll give you new life, an eternal home with him, and he'll walk with you through the Saturday moments of this experience until you too are with Jesus one day. Just pray right where you are. Tell him you're a sinner. Acknowledge Jesus as Savior and rest in him. Don't even listen to the rest of my message. If, if God's taken the blinders off and you need to trust Jesus, just pray right now where you are. We want to celebrate with you that today was the day, this Easter, what a great Easter, that you came to Jesus. And so you can text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen. If you're in the room, you can text the name Jesus now. If you're at home joining us online, you can text the name Jesus. If, if you say, today's the day, the light is shining in. I'm putting my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Maybe some of you in the room on campus would like to speak to someone. Uh, I'm going to be on the patio with the automatic sliding doors near the, the big parking lot. I'll be out there on that patio after the service. Pastor Brian, who read scripture earlier, Pastor Jeremy, who uh, did uh, share with you some of the body life stuff that's happening here at Calvary, they'll be joining me there. We'd love to celebrate with you that today's the day you came to Jesus. We've prepared resources. If you text the name Jesus to that number, we've prepared resources that'll help you walk with Jesus in the days ahead and know what it means to live in the hope of the resurrected Savior. 
if there's been confusion, if there's been uncertainty, can I encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus? Maybe even just read this passage each day this week and see what God does to remind you who Jesus is and why he came. Thirdly, the Saturday world is full of guilt. It's full of guilt and shame. But that Saturday world provides just that shame and guilt that weighs us down, but God promises us grace in the hope of the resurrection. God's grace is God's goodness to us that we don't deserve. It starts with the very breath he gives us. God's grace is his goodness to us and that Jesus died for us. There's nothing we can do to earn forgiveness with God. Jesus did it all. That's God's goodness to us. That's his grace. Guilt is a natural response to when we don't live in alignment with who God is and what he expects of us. But when we take that guilt to the cross, his grace flows over us. If you weren't here at our Good good Friday night service, Pastor Brian did a great job talking about how when we embrace the cross, we move forward, not in our guilt, but we move forward in gratitude for God's grace to us. Maybe one of the things you ought to do on this Easter is just get on your knees before the Lord today at some point by yourself and just thank God for the grace that's found in Jesus Christ. It is truly amazing grace. We move from guilt to grace. Fourthly, in the Saturday world, there's fear, anxiety, worry. Those were some of the highest searched Google words in 2020. Fear, anxiety, worry. But in the Saturday world, there's fear. But in the Sunday world, with the hope of the resurrection, there's courage and boldness. Uh, these individuals, uh, they, they, even in the way they frame the question, are you the only one that's coming out of Jerusalem that doesn't know the things that have happened? The way that's framed in the original, it, it has caution and fear in it because they're walking down the road. They don't know if maybe this is some guy who, who's who's one of those individuals who cried out, crucify him. They don't, they're, they're worried, they're scared, they're afraid. And so they kind of step back and they want to feel him out first. But then when they see it's Jesus, then what happens is in verse 33, they get up and they return at once to Jerusalem. They ran back in the dark, seven miles uphill. After the seven mile journey to Emmaus, they run uphill because there is a boldness they have. They, they rush into the, the gathering of the disciples and the other followers of Jesus, and they agree it's true, he's risen. There's a boldness and a courage that comes when we know that Jesus is alive, and he promised us that his spirit would be with us until we're with him, and that we have his presence with us. We don't have to be afraid. There doesn't have to be this paralyzing fear that maybe you felt uh, throughout the pandemic, or maybe even in trying to discuss politics with someone, or whatever is going on in your life, fear can be so paralyzing. I like what the Lord told Joshua just before they entered into the promised land in Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you know Jesus, or today you accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit is with you. He will never leave you. He's always present with you. Jesus told his disciples, wherever you go, 
I'm going to be with you to the end of this age till you're with me again. Have you ever thought about when you first experienced fear in your life? When I was a senior in high school in English composition, the teacher challenged us to write an essay on the first time you remember ever being afraid. I kind of scratched my head a little bit. And here we were, you know, like 17-year-olds trying to remember back. And I thought of a few points. And then all of a sudden, it just clicked. I remembered the first time, I mean, my, my first memory, at least, of being afraid. I grew up in northern Indiana. My grandparents uh, shared ownership with a cabin, a very rustic cabin, in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And this was such a rustic cab- cabin, there, were, there, were, there was no electricity, no running water. Uh, we took baths in the lake that was right there. We had a pump out front, and we had an outhouse. Now, if you don't know what an outhouse is, you might want to Google that. It's not a pleasant thing. And at night, if I had to go to the bathroom when I was like seven or eight years old, um, my dad would get up, you know, kind of groggy, and he'd kind of come out the door and stand kind of on the steps there, and I would walk down the steps. And I remember, you know, as I'm walking down the steps, I was petrified because I had to go from the cabin to the outhouse, and I'd heard the grown-ups talking for a long time about the bears that come at night and go through the garbage and everything. And it's all dark around me. I had a flashlight. Dad had like a lantern, and, and I remember getting to the bottom of the step, and I would look back. Okay, he's still there. Take a few more steps, look back. Okay, he's still there. I'd get even into the outhouse and leave the door open a crack just to make sure dad was still on the porch, right? Uh, To this day, I'm not afraid in in inner cities or in dangerous places in well-populated areas. I, I find myself going back to that early fear if I'm like out in the woods or I'm out somewhere in nature and I'm by myself and it's dark, it still can grip me. Fear, though, can paralyze you, but when you know, like I knew my dad was present with me, when you know that God is with you, it gives you boldness and courage to keep moving. And if you've been paralyzed by fear in this last year, fix your eyes on Jesus. Discover boldness in the resurrected Savior. Finally, fifth and finally, Saturday's isolation, loneliness, division, strife, becomes Sunday's community, the family of God. Do you notice in this passage, they're on their own, leaving the place where the rest of the followers were and where where God was working, and and they're moving in a different direction. They're, They're alone, just the two of them. And Jesus meets them in that moment, and when they recognize the risen Savior, what do they got to do? They got to get back with the community of believers to be an encouragement to them, and the community there says to them, it's true, he's alive, and they encourage one another. It's been hard this last year not to be able to gather like this. I love that we can gather like this. And hopefully as we continue to move forward, we'll be able to gather more frequently, and you'll be able to join us in a variety of ministries. It's important that we lean in to the community of believers. God's given us one another to encourage one another. And you might say, well, I really don't need encouragement right now. Somebody else needs you to encourage them. That's part of the hope we share. Let me speak to those who are watching online. And I know that many of you aren't able or comfortable yet to join us. And because of the things you're going through or medical conditions you have, you may not be able to do that for weeks or months, maybe even longer. But let me just give you this warning. Satan will try to convince you to stay away from the community of believers longer than you should. There may be some here who say, you know what, we should have leaned in more. 
We cut ourselves off from the community of believers. We're going to continue to provide great content online because we know that the way this is, there are going to be a lot of people who won't be able to join us in person for quite some time. We're going to continue to have ministries and opportunities to be in a ministry team or a small group or whatever in online. But don't forget how much we need each other. Lean in to what God is doing. Lean in to your faith. If you haven't been baptized, go to that place on our website and sign up to get baptized and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. If you need to grow spiritually, lean in to those 101, 201, 301, 401 classes that Pastor Jeremy mentioned. He also mentioned about the new series, Forward, where we're going to talk about how do we live in love like Jesus in a post-COVID world? You might say, are we really in a post-COVID world? I don't know. Who knows? I understand they'll say it's kind of like a recession where they won't be able to declare it was over until there's been like six months. You know, they look back and say, oh, the recession really ended last year. And they'll probably say the pandemic really ended this date. But let me tell you, there is huge opportunity in a hurting world that's disappointed and isolated and confused and gripped with fear and worry and anxiety. There's huge opportunity for us to share the good news of Jesus with others, and we've got to make sure that we're as strong as we can be. I personally am so excited about the, the weeks ahead, the years ahead, the next decade together as a church, and how we're going to live in love like Jesus in this post-COVID world. Can I encourage you? It's great that you're here on Easter. It's great that you're leaning in on Easter online. But lean into what God is doing in the community of believers. Don't allow yourself to think you can be isolated. We need you and you need us. Let's lean in. Be a part of what God is doing. And together we'll help each other fix our eyes on Jesus, the resurrected Savior. Have you had some disappointment? Have you had some confusion? Have you had some guilt? If you had some fear, have you been isolated and lonely? The risen Savior offers you joy and clarity and grace. The risen Savior offers you courage and boldness. He offers you community of family, the family of God. Latch on to the fact that Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. The hope is ours in Jesus. I saw a story of a dear lady online. I thought it was just so cool. She's 82 years old. This is Dr. Laverne Wimberly. She lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, goes to Metropolitan Baptist Church. She's been a faithful part of the church. And when COVID hit, she knew she could get discouraged and get lonely, isolated by herself. She knew that could happen to others in her church, and she really wanted to lean in. And, and so the first week that there was church online, that was her only option, she dressed up. I mean, she wore you know, the dress, the hat, the jewelry, and then she did it every week. Now, dressing up for online church. How many of you did that, huh? <laughs> this lady dressed up for all 52 weeks of that year, all 52 weeks, and she never wore the same thing. She kept the journal, and then she would post it on Facebook, and she'd post it with scripture and encouragement for the Lord to her friends. 
And she was asked, you know, why did you do this? And she said, well, working on all that stuff and doing this and thinking about what I was going to wear, it was good for me because otherwise you can get depressed and lonely and discouraged. But I knew Sunday was coming. And I think she lived with the hope of the resurrected Savior. Can I encourage you to lean in to that hope? My favorite picture of Laverne Wimberly is her in her red dress, red hat, smiling ear to ear. You can see the joy of the Lord shining from this lady. You know, I, I don't know the circumstances you're in right now. I don't know what you're going through, but no matter what your life is like, at any given moment in Christ, hope is always on the horizon. Hope is always on the horizon. Maybe you just need to write, Sunday's coming somewhere. You need to put a reminder. Remind yourself of the hope that is always on the horizon. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Don't get stuck in a Sunday world. Understand the hope that's ours because of that Sunday and the hope that is ours because one day it will be made whole and complete for us. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. If you're a child of God, you came in here knowing you're a follower of Jesus, that light had come into your heart and life years ago, weeks ago, days ago, but you knew Jesus. And maybe your heart has gotten heavy. Maybe disappointment and fear, maybe those things have settled in a bit. You came in here heavy-hearted. You're stuck in that Saturday world. I want to pray for you. Would you just slip your hands straight up and take it back down? Just say, Sean, pray for me. I've been stuck in a Saturday world, stuff I've been going through in the last weeks or months. I see those hands. Thank you. Just slip it straight up. Pray for me. I've been in that situation. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your boldness that you're doing. I see it all around the room, from the farthest of my right to left to up, down. Thank you for just saying, Sean, pray for me. I want to pray for you in a moment. Then I want to speak to those of you who maybe today was the day the blinders came off and you saw who Jesus is as the risen Savior. You can still, right where you sit, just tell him you need a Savior and put your faith in Jesus. I want to pray for you if today you made that decision to put your faith in Christ. The blinders came off. You understood who he was, and you embraced it with your heart and your mind and your life, this truth of the risen Savior. If today's that day you did that, would you just slip up your hand boldly and just put it back down? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see them around the room. Thank you. Just put it straight up in the air and say, pray for me. Thank you. I see, I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Now let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. I pray for those who just raised their hand and said, I'm stuck in a Saturday world. Lord, meet them in this moment. May they lean into you. May they fix their eyes on Jesus and center themselves on the hope that's found in the risen Savior. And Father, I pray I pray for those who today, the light has just opened their eyes to who you are. And as they have put their trust in you and your son for salvation, I pray you'd meet them in this moment. May your spirit assure them of the decision they're making. May they reach out to us or text us or greet us on the patio so we can celebrate with them and help them grow in their walk. Thank you, Father. May all of us leave here leaning in more to what you're doing, what you want to do through your church family what we're going to be doing together forward in victory and in joy. May we go out of this place with the hope 
of Jesus burning deep in our hearts. We pray in Christ's name, amen.